Okay, hello everybody and welcome to episode 3 of the F1 podcast. Uh, a lot of stuff has happened uh, since we last spoke on the podcast. Uh, the race day has been in Bahrain and that's going to be our main topic of conversation today. A lot of things to go through, obviously. A lot of uh, action happened in that race. Uh, first topic we're going to start with is uh, Haas. Uh, Owen? Yeah, um, Haas aren't looking good. Nobody expected Haas to be looking good. In honesty, going into this new season, then focusing on the 2022 season, the regulation change. But, you know, that was one awful weekend from Haas, and particularly Nikita Mazepin. Um, he's won twice in quality, three times, I think, in practice. And then, obviously, had the big crash in the race, which, you know, I think it's it, it's hard to say it was 100% his fault because, you know, that has got does not look predictable at all. It looks awful. You know, the 2019 Williams was bad. This 2021 Haas is shocking. It, you know, mixed spin, similar to what Nikita done, got on the throttle, Rhea stepped out, and it's it's gone. There's no saving it after that. And, you know, Mick was lucky that there wasn't a wall near him. Um, the place where Nikita spun, obviously, was the wall. <laughs> Close to it, Kimmy hit that same place in FP2 on the Friday. The player nearly hit it also FP2. Um, and multiple other drivers have spun there in the past years. Vettel 2019, I think Max also 2019 almost hit there. I don't know if it's 2019, it might be 2018, but still, you know, it's not like he's the first driver to spin there. Um, Kimmy exited turn three last year as well in the race. so it's not an unusual place to see cars go off, but I think in the manner that it happened was a bit awkward. And but yeah, as I said before, that Haas car looks very unpredictable. So yeah, I agree with you. And um, I think the Haas car is going to be it's going to be very. We obviously know it's probably definitely going to be the worst car on the grid this year. Uh, I th- I would go as far as saying that car is dangerous. I mean, it's spun multiple times over testing and uh, qualifying and FP1, FP2, FP3. Um, obviously, Nikita Mazepin, he spun turn three in the race and crashed. It's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, I've looked at the crash many times. He did just get on the throttle and the rear went away from him. Um, it's kind of a weird one to say whether it was, in my opinion, the car's fault or his fault. I think it maybe was a bit of both. The car started sliding out of turn three, which it probably shouldn't have done. But at the end, I think Nikita Mazepin did overcorrect the slide. Um, but again, Mick also spun, uh, just coming out of turn four, turn five, um, which was, I think, the car's fault. You know, as Owen said, he got on the throttle and the rear just stepped away from him. So I would go as far as to say that car's dangerous, but has have said they're not going to make any developments to the car over this year. So the car that went into testing into the first race is the car that they're going to have for the entire year. Um, and they're mainly focusing on the 2022 car. And I think that the 2022 car is going to be make or break for Haas. If they don't get the 2022 car right, I think Haas are going to be in serious, serious trouble. Um, I mean, they've, they've said in uh, Drive to Survive, they barely survived... Um, Last year, uh, they've only managed to survive with the support of um, Nikita Mazepin's father's company. Uh, you might have seen it on the car, Yul Ralph Kelly. 
uh, a Russian company. Um, it's unclear whether the relationship will continue. We all know what Hass's sponsors have been like in the past uh, with title sponsors and things like that. Um, but I think next year is really going to be the make-or-break season for Haas. In terms of this year's car, I mean, it, it's it's definitely one of the worst cars I think I've ever seen in F1 going into the first race, you know. Two drivers <laughs> spin, one driver spinning out at the first corner, well, third corner. So, yeah, I think time will tell, really, with Haas for the moment. But, uh, Kendall? Uh, yeah, I just... I don't really think the spins were really the driver's fault. I just think the car isn't really good enough around corners and the downforce isn't enough. I just think it's too easy for it to spin out. You could argue that um, they're not that experienced, so it could also be the driver's fault. But mainly I think it's down to the car because uh, both drivers have had some sort of experience in other levels of um, driving, but yeah, I just think the car isn't good enough this year and they should have changed something after pre-season testing, after seeing how many times the car spun. But, yeah, I just think Haas are really going to struggle this year and they're probably going to come bottom of the drivers' championships. Yeah, OK, the Haas car is uh, definitely a uh, one to watch. Uh, anyway, we're going to move on to our next topic of conversation. It was a very, very... Uh, hot topic over the weekend. It's Red Bull's reliability. We've seen quite a lot of this. Um, if you've ever seen in pre-season testing, uh, especially with Sergio Perez, his bodywork just basically flew off. Um, still not quite sure what the cause of that was. He seemed to just step out of a slipstream and, and it was gone, but uh, definitely a, a good topic to talk about. So let's start with Owen. Yeah, I mean, I think pre-season testing with Perez's bodywork, that I wouldn't say it really goes under reliability. That's just... I don't know what that would go under. That was just, you know, you could argue putting the car together poorly. But, you know, nonetheless, that's a bit off, to- off topic from what actually happened this weekend. You don't really see a car stopping on the formation lap that often anymore. Anyway, the last car I remember stopping on the formation lap was 2017 British Grand Prix. Julian Palmer's Renault came to a stop down the hangar straight. Um, they didn't also an extra formation lap there. You know, and, and that's you know, Red Bull they've had reliability problems for ages now with the Renault power unit with the Honda. You saw it last season, Austria, Ham uh, not Hamlin, sorry, Max retiring in the first race of the season because of reliability issues. But you know, there was a lot of retirements that race. There's nine other ones because you know, it's six months after pre-season testing, so a lot can change to a car that's just sitting in a garage or sitting wherever it is for that length of time. And, you know, Red Bull, they've said they've got that power unit up to date, you could say, to be able to compete with Mercedes and whatnot. But, yeah, things like that shouldn't be happening on a formation lap at all, you know. it's And you say car just seems sort of cut out. I don't really know why it did that. I don't know if Perez done something that made the car cut out. I don't know if the car just had enough. You know, but again, as I said, to do on the formation lap, you know, I'd maybe let it slide if it was under race conditions, the hot hot air of other cars affecting that, but, you know, it's on a formation lap. It's Yeah, it was a really weird one, but, you know, 
for a fan's perspective anyway, you've got to hope they've sorted out the reliability issues to give Max and Perez a car that can fight the mercs of um, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. So, yeah, it'll be a hot topic and it'll be a good one to see throughout the season as the season progresses. But, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there, Owen. I think... um... In terms of my view, I think the Honda Power Unit they've got this season, I would even go as far as to say it's better than Mercedes. Um, Max Verstappen was able to catch up to Hamilton from eight seconds within a few laps. But I think the thing that's going to be their make or break this season is the engine's reliability. A few a few laps in, and Max Verstappen was already complaining that there was an issue with the engine. Luckily, they managed to resolve it, but how long are they going to be able to resolve it? And as you say, with Sergio Perez, the car completely cut out on him on the formation. That that rarely ever happens. And it wasn't as if the engine had just gone. There was, If you look on his display on his steering wheel, there was nothing on the steering wheel. The steering wheel had completely turned off. I mean, whether it was an electrical issue, whether it was Sergio took the car too slow and didn't know a feature with the car that made it cut out, who knows? They haven't released anything of, of why that happened. So... Who knows? It could be to do with the power unit. It could be to do with the electricals. But I think the the reliability of the power unit is going to be something of a good topic to talk about this season because I think it's going to make or break the championship. I think their engine's quick, but is it reliable? Um, and if it isn't, then I would hope that next year when Red Bull form their own power unit company, uh, Red Bull Powertrains Limited, uh, as Honda are leaving the sport, that they will be able to fix those reliability issues. Uh, so, yeah, I think the reliability of Red Bull's engine is going to make or break the season between Red Bull and Mercedes. Because, in my opinion, the Honda engine's quicker. Kendall? Uh, yeah, I think Red Bull's engine looks very quick um, when it's on, like, the when once it's got going. But I think maybe Perez's car maybe stopped because maybe the engine overheated or something. But then again, the screen switched off and everything, so... It could be like an electrical difficulty or something like that. And also, it's not just the engine's reliability. I think the um, team needs to be a bit more reliable because the strategy they had on Sunday was dreadful and they need to sort that out as well. But, um, yeah, once the car's got going, I think it's very quick in terms of the engine. And as Harry said, it looks quicker. um, It could be quicker than Mercedes this season. But, yeah, uh, they maybe just have to like take a look at the engine and see if um, there's any problems with it because it looked a bit unreliable this weekend. Yeah, okay. Uh, very interesting uh, points there. And I'm sure there'll be, that'll be a point we'll be talking about a lot through the season as the races progress. Uh, but let's move on to our next topic this week, uh, the midfield. Going to be looking like a strong battle this year um, between different teams. Uh, we've got Pierre, Pierre Gasly, you know, qualified high up on the grid. He's really coming into his own in that car. And Yuki Tsunoda, you know, he's a really, really quick driver. He looks like he's already settled into that seat. Uh, Alpine didn't do too well in the, uh, in the race on Sunday. And uh, Alfa Romeo, who have now welcomed themselves uh, to the midfield. Uh, so let's start with Owen, your thoughts on midfield. Yeah, it's kind of one of the tightest ones I've ever seen because what you've got McLaren, Aston Martin, Alpine, Ferrari, Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri all in it. That's more than half the grid in a battle for midfield. That is 
that is intense. That's going to be such a good watch. It was a good watch last season. And you know, the talent as well in that midfield, Daniel Ricciardo, Lando, Norris, Fernando Alonso, Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly, Yuki Snowder, Lance Stroll, Giovinazzi, Raikkonen, every one of them is talented in their own way. And, you know, Yuki's performance, it was his debut. And to come P9 ahead of some quick people and some quick cars, like either two Aston Martins getting past Lance Stroll, um, you know, so he got a bit, a bit, uh, a bit fortunate with. Well, he didn't really get fortunate with Mazepin's retirement because he wouldn't, wouldn't have been racing him anyway. But you know, if he, if he's quick as, if he's quick for every other race this season, he, he is a strong, strong candidate for that Red Bull seat. Is Yuki Sonoda and Q1? He went second fastest, but you know it is only Q1. Um, a lot of teams might not have really been pushing like the Red Bulls, the the Mercs, because they knew they could get get through one hard if they so desired. Um, but yeah, and then Lando Norris, McLaren, getting Daniel Ricciardo was always going to be a risk because it's not like Carlos Sainz was doing bad in that McLaren at all because he, he he wasn't. He was. You know, getting where you want to be, the Peter in Monza, the 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 lead he took at the Portimao Grand Prix was incredible. Unfortunately, he didn't manage to hold it, but you know, it's it's a little spark like that from Carlos Sainz, which probably attracted the Scuderia to signing him. Um, and you know, getting rid of a four-time world champion, he's going to take some guts and to get it to replace him with a guy who's not won a title or won a championship is also risky. Especially coming out of that season that they've just had, obviously Seb didn't have the best twenty twenty. It was it was fair to say, picking up for one podium, Turkey. But you know the Seb he was really poor last season. He went out in Q one in Monza, which the season prior his teammate Charles Leclerc won the race after an incredible drive. You know, and it's it's stuff like that. After you really think in season prior they were winning races in Monza, to going out in Q one. And having a two-car retirement, that is really scary. But so far, Ferrari look like they've somewhat sorted that out. And because Ferrari sorted out their engine, that also lets Alfa Romeo really push this season. They're really unfortunate not to get points, obviously, with the P, P11 and P12. I hope they got points. I was saying all weekend how quick quick they were. Um, you know, through testing... When other teams are doing their qualifying programs, they look quick. They were up there, obviously testing times aren't the best thing to go off. But you know, the only slip up from Alfa Romeo I can think this weekend is um, Kimby's crash in FP2. But that's not, you know, Alfa Romeo's fault necessarily. Um, you know, but especially Giovinazzi is a point where I was convinced Giovinazzi would get in to Q3. After I think he went fifth fastest. Um, but you know the track seemed to ramp up and everyone seemed to improve and unfortunately knocked him out. But you know if Giovinazzi can improve his um improve his like um if he can keep consistent this season, Alfa Romeo could be strong contenders to really putting themselves in that midfield battle alongside Alpine, Alfatari, and Aston. Uh, but also another thing, Fernando Alonso back in F one and back in Q three. When Ocon didn't really, well, he didn't get into Q2. That was most probably because of the Mazepin spin and the Carlos Sainz issue in qualifying, which 
you know, was a bit shaky for Ferrari, but they got that fixed for Q2 and Q3. So, you know, this midfield battle is going to be the best one we've seen in years, I'm predicting. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there, Owen. The midfield battle is definitely going to be tight this year. Uh, Yuki, Tsunoda and Pierre Gasly. Uh, I think AlphaTauri have got a very strong lineup this year. Obviously, AlphaTauri being the support team for <laughs> Red Bull with their younger drivers, I think they've both got two incredibly good drivers. I mean, Pierre Gasly, you know, he's 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 had his seat at Red Bull, and some people could say he's maybe blew his chance, but I don't think he has. I think he's pushing as hard as he can, proving that he's worthy of that Red Bull seat back, and it was just a blip at the start of 2019. And maybe he'll get it back, maybe he won't, who knows. But Pierre Gasly is definitely one of the one of the best drivers on the grid at the moment, uh, in my opinion. Uh, he was unlucky on Sunday to lose his front wing and finish. Uh, I think he ended up retiring at the end of the race, actually. Uh, it's unclear why. Uh, but Pierre Gasly is definitely uh, a very a very strong driver going into this next season. Uh, in terms of Yuki Sonoda, you know, he's new. He's still getting used to the car. But he did very, very well over the weekend. He did some good overtakes. Um finished in a, a decent position for his first race of the season as well. Uh, and I think he's definitely one of Formula One's, when he gets to know Formula One a lot better, he's definitely going to be Formula One, one of Formula One's best drivers. Who knows if Red Bull can improve, maybe even a future world champion. Um, I'd like to move on to Alpine. Um, I didn't really know what to think of Alpine. I mean, Renault last year, they got on the podium a couple of times. Um Seem pretty strong, but from what I've seen of Alpine over the weekend, they seem to have dropped back. I mean, Esteban Ocon, he didn't get through into Q3, but again, as Owen said, that could have been due to yellow flags and other sorts of situations like that. But he also couldn't move himself up the grid during the race weekend, um, which is something I thought was a bit strange. Fernando Alonso, obviously racing for Alpine now, back in F1. Uh, he didn't do too bad on Sunday. Uh, was fighting well, had some good overtakes. Unfortunately, he did have to retire towards the end uh, due to an issue with his brakes. Um, but I think Alpine are definitely going to need to do some improving over the season. I think they have slipped back a bit. Uh, maybe it's to do with the Renault power unit. Maybe it's to do with a new chassis. Who knows yet? It's too early to tell. But I think they're definitely going to need to do some improvements from what I've seen so far from Alpine this season. Uh, Alfa Romeo, I think, as Owen said, um, they're doing very, very well so far for the first race of the season, just missing out on the points. They've shown themselves as a very strong midfield team, uh, keeping the same driver lineup with Giovinazzi and Raikkonen, as we've mentioned in previous episodes of this podcast. Uh, two very, very strong drivers, one with mounds of experience. I mean, Kimi Raikkonen made his F1 debut 20 years ago now, so there's 20 years of experience for you, um, which a growing team like Alfa Romeo desperately need. And also a good Ferrari youngster uh, in Antonio Giovinazzi. He's still got plenty of years left in him. I think he could be with the team for, for quite a long time, Antonio Giovinazzi. Um, and I think Alfa Romeo have definitely made a step forward this season. Whether it's enough to make them score high points and get them um, higher money at the end of the season uh, in terms of where they're placing the championship. Who knows yet? It's only the first race of the season, as I've said, but they are definitely making two steps forward instead of two steps back that they're making over previous years. Um, but Alfa Romeo are definitely making steps forward, and it's good to see. Uh, in terms of Aston Martin, I don't really know what to think of them yet. 
Aston Martin of last year proved themselves as a very reliable team. Um, obviously, they've changed. They were last year BW2 Racing Point. Now they've changed to Aston Martin. But when you look under the green and pink livery, it still is the same team. So I think it's it's going to take time, you know. I think Seb, he isn't quite used to the car yet. Lance didn't do too bad on Sunday. Could have been better. And I think they're going to have to make some improvements uh, over the years. But I have faith in the team. I have faith in the team's leadership in Lawrence Stroll and Otmar Safnar. I think they have very big uh, ambitions for the team. And I think they're going to do extremely, extremely well uh, over the years to come. Uh, in terms of how they'll do this season, I think it's a bit too early to tell. I mean, I think Seb, uh, as we'll move on to in a minute, um, in terms of his collision with Ocon, I think he still has a lot to learn about that car. You know, he's been with Ferrari for a number of years now. Um, so getting used to a new car is going to be, you know, quite a challenge for him, uh, and especially such a different car with a different power unit, different steering wheel, different pedals, different feeling of how the car controls I'd say that's probably one of the reasons why he maybe collided with Ocon. We'll get onto that in a moment. But I think Aston Martin, I think they are going to improve. But whether that will be this season as of yet, I'm not sure. I haven't seen quite enough. I mean, and Sebastian Vettel qualified last on the grid. He didn't qualify there, but he was given a time penalty down to there. Um, P20 on the grid, but... Yeah, I think they are going to improve over this season as it progresses, but whether it will be enough to maintain where they were going to get last season of P3 or P4, who knows with Ferrari and McLaren, you know, coming back. I think McLaren, again, as I always said, they're making massive steps forward. I mean, when you compare McLaren now to McLaren in 2018, it's like a totally different team. They've done really, really well, especially young Lando Norris on Sunday qualifying uh, Finishing actually P four, um, in the race on Sunday, very very strong from the team, and I think that's gonna shake up the constructors championship a bit. And Ferrari, you know, they're making two steps forward again, um, with their power unit, which we'll also get onto in a moment. But I definitely think Ferrari are on their way back. Whether they will be fully back to P two in the constructors championship by the end of this year, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think it will happen uh, at some point. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the midfield battle this season is definitely going to be very spicy. There's lots of raw talent that are showing the worth of seasons, like Yuki Sonoda, um, Lando Norris, Giovinazzi, Ocon. They've all, drive, uh, they've all driven quite well at the weekend. Um, yeah, um, Alfa Romeo looks really quick as well. Um at the weekend, they've definitely made a lot of improvements to the car and they're definitely capable of picking up points consistently this season by the looks of things. Alpine as well, I'm, I'm not sure what to think of them. They didn't have the best weekend, but the car looks decent. Um, but it could just be down to um, the car just feeling different this season and Alonso obviously has had an absence for a couple of years, so... He's just getting to grips with things again. So I think Alpine definitely have potential this season. Um, yeah, Alpha Tauri look really quick out on the track as well. Um, Yuki Sonoda's car looks really quick. Um, unfortunately, Gasly hit um, Daniel Ricciardo's rear left, which um, resulted in him losing his um, wing. But 
he qualified really high up and um, did well in qualifying. He was looking good for the first part of the race, but uh, obviously with that Ricardo incident, he, uh, incident, he dropped down and ended up retiring. Um, yeah, Yuki looked really good, um, looked very quick. Uh, obviously had a very good debut, getting two points, which is the massive achievement for him. And yeah, I think uh, the midfield battle this season is going to be really good. Yeah, okay. Uh, that was Toby on the midfield. Uh, now I want to move on to Ocon and Vettel's collision. Just a little small uh, topic here. Uh, Owen? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it... Vettel locking up. And then, as a result of that green, the raid rest for knock on as he just made an overtake. And then, I think after the race, it was decided that Vettel was worth a 10 second time penalty. Not like it massively matters because he was out of the points anyway. Uh, but obviously, it did hamper Esteban a little bit. He, I think he came back from P13 to finish the race, which also isn't points on Chuby. A bit disappointed on that one, but. You know, there's still 22 races, or supposedly 22 races from cancelled the season. So there's a lot of time for Alpine to improve. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it was Vettel's fault. Could he have helped it? Probably not. Um, but then he also had the audacity to set Ocon switch lines on the team radio. So I'm sorry, Seb, but I don't. I don't think going in straight lines necessarily changing lines, but but nonetheless, it is what it is. And then obviously after the race, he went and apologised to Ocon, which was, you know, it was a really good photo to the side of him. Um, so, you know, at least I could partially own up to what had happened. I don't know what the exact words were between him and Ocon, but, you know, I assume it was a sorry. Uh, but you know, then then things happen on the same radio. Drivers, you know, do get heated, and obviously, you know, you're in the moment. You're driving it, God knows how fast, and that then things will happen at times. But um, yeah, a, a small incident. None of them retired from the race, thankfully. But yeah, just a small incident, so not a big deal. But yeah, I agree with you again, there, and I think. Um... I do think Vettel was in the wrong to say it was Ocon's fault, but um, I mean, it was, I guess, just a racing incident. I mean, Vettel, he's still getting used to the car. I mean, if you didn't see what happened, Ocon was coming straight down to make an overtake. Uh, Vettel moved right behind him and then locked up and hit him, uh, hit them both off the track. Um, I think Vettel, he's still getting used to the car. I think if he was in the Ferrari, he wouldn't have done that. But I think him, he's still just getting used to the brakes and the feel of the car uh, and how to go into corners and not lock up like he did um, with Ocon. Um, and I think when he said, why did he change lines? I think it was just a spare of the moment thing. You know, he was annoyed that he crashed. It was just a little little click and he just spare of the moment thing, just got a bit angry. But as you said, by the end of the race, he did go and apologise to Ocon, which I think just shows the type of guy... Um, Sebastian Vettel is, he's a, you know, he's a very nice guy, he's not a violent guy, you know, he's not a guy who gets angry a lot, and uh, it was just a spare of the moment thing, but I still think Vettel needs development in that car, as I've said, um, you know, would lock it up into Esteban, I think it was 100% his fault, you know, the collision wouldn't have happened if he hadn't locked up, but, you know, these things happen, it's Formula 1, 
stuff like this is going to happen. And I think it was very good of Seb to go and apologise to Esteban Ockham. So, yeah, I think we'll just be brushed under the carpet. He was given a 10-second time penalty, which, as Owen said, didn't really matter. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's what I think. Uh, yeah, these things happen. It's just racing. Seb or Ocon couldn't really do anything about it uh, with Seb's, uh, I think it was front left tyre locking up. Um, when then he hit into the back of Ocon, which impacted his time massively. But um, they gave him a time penalty at the end, like uh, Owen and Harry have said. And of course, it didn't matter because obviously it wasn't in the points anyway. So, yeah. Um, but you know, neither of them could have done anything about it, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But um, Ocon might have been a bit annoyed because he was uh driving quite well, but then Vettel went and apologized, we think, at the end of the race. Uh, that's what it looked like, anyways. And yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, uh, next topic is just a little small little side note topic. Uh, Latifi's spin, which eventually led to his uh, retirement. Uh, oh, yeah, there's not much really to say about this, you know. It it went under the radar quite a bit, they didn't actually show it in the race because of the Hamilton Max fight, but um, you know, it, it was similar to well, it was on the exit of five, Seb's was on the exit of four, I think, in 2019. Um, that was a bit more like mixed, but yeah, you see, like, you know, I didn't really know what happened in all honesty. A spin, I assume that led to his retirement. It was at the back of the grid. There wasn't, there wasn't many laps left, so he went and retired a few laps later. Then Gasly joined him, and yeah, you know, I, I don't know if he could have prevented it. As I said, I don't really a hundred percent know what happened. I'll need to look at the footage a little bit more. Or the footage I have anyway. So, yeah, a little thing right in there, but no, not big. Yeah, thanks, Owen. Uh, I have to confess, I didn't even know this had happened until Owen mentioned it um, just before we started our podcast today. Uh, um, I Obviously, he'd retired after the spin. Not quite sure why that had happened. Uh, I don't think anybody really knows, really. As I said, the Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton fight was going on at the time, so... Uh, we'll move on to that next, but uh, um, yeah, it wasn't broadcasted on on Sky Sports F1, so I don't think anybody really knows what happened. Uh, I think we've just seen it on Best Onboards, but uh, I would say he, in my opinion, if I was there, I would have said he would probably have retired just because to save the car, you know, he was out of the points just to not risk anything. Uh, it was nearly towards the end of the race anyway, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really clued up on the topic as uh, as much as some other people might be, but yeah, that that's just my opinion anyway. anyway uh, I think Latifi probably could have prevented it. He didn't go into the corner brilliantly. I think he probably should have went onto the curb um, at first, but he went round it, and I think he also um, started accelerating a bit too early and maybe turned a bit um, jaggedly, which probably uh, which probably was what resulted in him spinning. Uh, yeah, it was just um, a small thing that happened. You didn't see it in the race because obviously Hamilton and Verstappen were fighting at the time. But yeah, apart from that, Latifi looked good in the race, but he just um, had a little off corner there. 
Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, now I'm going to move on to probably the biggest topic we're going to talk about, and probably one you've all been waiting for the Hamilton Verstappen duel um, in the race. Uh, going to be a very, very interesting topic as the season progresses. Uh, let's start with it right now. Yeah, I'm also the major turn, talking point. Turn point. Talking point is um, it's turn four. Did Stappen leave the track and gain the rank and gain the position? Yes, quite obviously. Uh, I think it was in Ted's notebook. Lando also said, "Yeah, he's he's overtook him off the track. That's not allowed." Lando done a similar thing with Charles. Um, I think it was after the safety car restart, or not long after it anyway. You know, he knew he breached track limits. He tried to fight it with Leclerc, but as soon as he got, I think it was turn five, he's backed off and, and at Leclerc of the position. So, you know, obviously it's it's a big talking point. People aren't going to agree, but what that's what opinions are. And yeah, so my opinion, turn four, Max was in the wrong. He had he handed the position back, which was good as him, good of him. I think, you know, 2018 Max would not have done that. Would not have done that at all. But he, he was a man in that situation, gave the position back. And then, but, yeah. But for the rest of the season, you know, I can't wait to see how that one develops. My prediction is Lewis is going to win over Verstappen. I, pre- I put in the predictions video, Bart was going to win the world title. No. I don't know what I was thinking. I think Hamilton will win the world title again. He'll get his eighth. Will he leave the sport after he's got his eighth and he's beat Michael? Who knows? Possibly. Not that I hope he does because he's a great driver, but I wouldn't mind to see a change there. And then if Hamilton leaves, Bottas might leave. Who does that? Seats two. Who knows? Um, But I'm sitting a bit off topic here, so... Yeah, um, it was a good fight or race, I think. It was a very debatable strategy from Red Bull. I don't know why they didn't just reply to Merck's undercut and just, you know, box him the lap after Hamilton box, but they didn't. They went wrong. It almost worked, but not quite. Um, I could see what they were trying to do, but I think they should just play it safe. Paid him. You know, it, it looked like Verstappen had the pace all weekend, so it's not like he would have been stuck behind him. But then again, he was stuck behind him in the closing laps of the race. Didn't get past him. Come the checkered flag. Uh, if Perez didn't make that extra formation lap happen, Verstappen quite possibly could have got that position because obviously Perez, Perez's issue comes from the formation lap, which means they took a lap off the race. It was originally maybe a 57 lap race, went down to 56. If it was 57, I think he could have got him, in all honesty. You know, if, even if he didn't get him down in turn one, he could have got him. If he had the traction out of three, could have got him into four. But that never happened, and that's that. So that's my opinion on it. That's the light I'll shed on that situation. Okay, thank you, Owen. This is a very exciting topic, and it's something that I'm very much looking forward to discussing as the season progresses. And this is something that us three have been debating pretty much non-stop since Sunday. Um, I'm a big Red Bull fan, so I'm going to defend Max Verstappen all the way. You know, I've been saying, 
you know, well, he, he got ahead of him when he went off the track. But, I mean, to be honest, if I'm being brutally honest, if I wasn't a Red Bull fan, yeah, he, he did breach track limits. And that's why he was he was forced to give the position back. Um, so, I, I think Hamilton, he did just get lucky. I mean, if that didn't happen, Max would have won, won hands down. If there was an extra lap of the race, Max would have won hands down. There was... I think there was something like seven tenths or something in it by the end. Um, it was a very, very close race, and I think Max would have won it hands down. But I think luck just follows Lewis Hamilton wherever he goes. Um, but it's going to be incredible to see these two battling it out because the Honda engine, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of people's opinion, is quicker than the Merck engine this year. Um, and as I say, Hamilton, he did just get lucky with Max Verstappen breaching track limited turn four. Um, and obviously with Red Bull's strategy, I didn't quite understand that. I could see what they were trying to do, but it obviously didn't work. You know, it's you can't predict these things. You don't know how fast Hamilton's going to go. You don't know if Max is going to spin. Anything could happen, really, uh, with strategy. You've just got to kind of pick one and get lucky, but um, and just try and pick it the best you can. But I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this is going to progress with these two's fight. I think this is going to be the closest title in recent history, I think, um, with these two. And as I say, I think it's all going to come down to the reliability of that Honda engine. In the first race, and it's been proven in the past not to be that reliable. I mean, the first race of the season last year, Max Verstappen had to retire um, due because he, he kept getting anti-stall. He couldn't get out of anti-stall um, on his uh, engine display. And the engine just wouldn't come out of anti-stall. So, obviously, the engine is not that reliable. and It's something they need to improve, <laughs> as well as improving the speed of it. And I'm sure that's something that Red Bull will improve as the season goes on. And in terms of Mercedes, I think they're just going to be focused on making it quicker. So, I think it's definitely going to be so close between these two. But anything could happen. Anything could happen. I mean, Hamilton said before the race that Red Bull were ahead. He said that he thought, after the race, he said that he thought they were going to be coming six, seven, eight, with how the car performed in pre-season testing and how he couldn't get a handle on the car. So I think genuinely, Max, if the Honda power unit is reliable this season, Max has won the championship. I think he just got lucky that season. If Max can keep it together, not crash and not have his engine just cut out on him, uh, and Sergio, if Sergio could keep up with Max, I think Red Bull are winning the drive, uh, winning the constructors, and I think Max is definitely going to win the drivers. But it's all down to, as we've mentioned, the Honda reliability. And I think we're going to get a more closer look at how this is going to pan out at next, at, well, on the 16th to the 18th, Mugello, uh not Mugello, Imola race weekend. Uh, so I'm very, very much looking forward to that, and I cannot wait to be discussing this on our next podcast to see how things have progressed. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, um, obviously, in that fight between Verstappen and Hamilton in the last couple of laps, Verstappen should have been a bit more patient after he went off the um, went off the track, should have just came back on the track and waited for Hamilton to get in front of him because um, he definitely had the advantage in the last couple of laps, obviously, with... Um, the younger tyres, um, fresher tyres. And I think if he'd uh, just waited for Hamilton to pass, he definitely would have caught him in the next lap and um, would have won the Grand Prix. Um, but as far as the season goes, I think Verstappen's definitely going to win 
um, a lot of races this season. Um, Hamilton said himself that he's excited. This is the most excited he's been for a season ever because he knows he's got competition off Verstappen, and obviously it probably would get a little bit boring just winning every single race. Uh, yeah, uh, we're going to follow this one with interest, and it's going to be a very good um, fight between both teams and both drivers this season. Uh, yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, we're going to move on to our last topic for this week's episode. Uh, Ferrari, with their engine developments and uh, just their general development. Uh, Ferrari, oh. as I said, when I was on the midfield battle, they weren't good last season. We know that. Everyone knows that. They seem to have improved. I think Leclerc got P4 in qualifying. I know we didn't finish in the race. I think it was it P... Six, I want to say, and then Carlos P8. I think that's how it ended up. I might be wrong. Um, but yeah, they seem to have came leaps and bounds after last season, obviously, you know, being a threat of being knocked out in Q1 at times, and, you know, Monza especially, step out in Q1. That was, that was awful. And then, them two cars tiring later on the season. I hope, uh, Ray, sorry, I hope Ferrari are back to their their old their old way because when Ferrari are in form they are in form 2018 what a title challenge that was from Seb you know 2019 you saw glimpses of it I think they won three races back to back they won Spa Monza Singapore in that order and the amazing thing about that streak was it was three completely different tracks and if Ferrari can go back to that form it would really give Red Bull and Mark their challenge back from the Ferrari team and it is sad to see such a historical nerve go down towards the rear of the field. Same with Williams. Nobody really wants Williams to be there but you know, they are there now, so it's not not something you like to see. But yeah, I obviously I hope Ferrari will come back. And I I think they'll come back eventually, but it's just how long it takes for them to eventually come back to Winning ways, let's say. Yeah, I agree with you there, and I think Ferrari have made a step forward. Whether it's enough of a step forward to get back to where they were in 2019, you know, we've said many, many times uh, outside of the podcast that Ferrari had the best engine in 2019. Didn't quite happen in 2020. You know, they qualified, um, qualified, uh, finished six in the driver championship probably one of their worst seasons on record. Um, and they had to fix it, and I think they have fixed it. They haven't fixed it fully, but they have fixed it. I don't think they're going to come P6 this year. I probably predict maybe even a P3 or a P4, potentially. I think it's going to be tough with them and McLaren. Obviously, we saw Lando's fight with Leclerc. Um, and this is what's really shaken up the, the Constructed Championship this year, is we've now got McLaren, who are back on top. Well, not admittedly right on top, but they're getting back up there to compete with Ferrari um, and Red Bull. They're probably, I would say, McLaren are pretty much almost at the top of the midfield. Um, for now, anyway. Um, so I think this is really going <laughs> to shake up the constructors this year and it's going to be a very close battle between those two teams. Um, so Ferrari, they have made a step forward. Um, it's definitely not enough to get back to where they were, but who knows what's going to happen in previous years. You know, no one can tell the future as of yet so 
we'll just have to wait and see and go along for uh, that. Yeah, I think Ferrari's engine looked a lot quicker this weekend than it did last season. Um, Ferrari are definitely going to put up a massive fight against McLaren. And I think by next season, if they build off this engine, then they might be able to put up a fight to even uh, Red Bull and Mercedes, possibly. Mercedes is maybe a bit of a stretch, but um, yeah, Ferrari are definitely looking a bit quicker with this engine. Um, Carlos looks very good in the car as well. Um, Leclerc did really well in the race as well. Um, the car just looked lots quicker. Um, especially on straights and it looked very nimble but uh, on corners and yeah I think Ferrari are definitely going to put up a massive fight this season and they're not going to have a shock horror of a season like they did in 2020 uh, Yep, okay uh, Full episode today of all uh, what we've been discussing what have been the main topics over the last week uh, that is it for this week uh, of the F1 podcast. Uh, there will be a new episode of the F1 podcast uh, within three days of every Grand Prix weekend finishing. So after every race on Sunday, there will be a podcast episode within every three within three days of the race on the Sunday. Uh, so from the Sunday by the Wednesday, there will be an episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Spotify and wherever you're watching us from on whichever platform and thank you for joining